Welcome back to the Watch More Podcast. I'm your host, Quentin Harris, and you're tuning into episode 116 here on December 6th. And it's really cool we get an opportunity to take some of the things in the economy we've been talking about and kind of blend it in with a real-life scenario that's kind of unfolding right in front of us. And this is one of those. And I kind of want to talk about this nasty breakup between Goldman Sachs and Apple's credit card division. And, you know, this is a situation where Apple was leveraging their consumers uh, or their customer database to help with the consumer lending division that Goldman Sachs was trying to build. And, you know, and for a relationship, shit that seemed great from the start in 2019, it really turned into like a nasty divorce last week, really. And I kind of want to get into some of the things involved in that because I think a lot of it has to do with what's going on in the economy as well, but also speaks to some of the things that we've been talking about from the consumer front. And you kind of get this behind the curtain uh, view, if you may, of what was being done, um, maybe by Apple and Goldman Sachs, but a little bit more on Apple's side. And I think it's kind of a, a great uh, it's a great opportunity to look at some things that businesses do and uh, and business practice, but also in this type of economy. So let's let's kind of jump right into it. You know, for something that was deemed like a vertical integration that was going to provide additional revenue streams to Apple um, outside of their normal product hardware income stream, the ability for Apple to simply take their their customer database and issue credit cards through Goldman Sachs um, was a really great platform. But who knew all it was going to take was a slogan from Apple that read, designed by Apple, not by a bank, is all it would need to start the fire and kind of get this relationship going down a bad path. Because, you know, egos are a dangerous thing, you know, and you could argue that maybe the great, you know, Andrew Carnegie was the best at managing egos. But in this particular case, it seems like that's what got in the way of the success start of this card. So to kind of get into it, um, this was Goldman Sachs's way of getting in the consumer lending, you know, consumer credit uh, portal, if you may. They had currently had like a GM credit card, but they really hadn't expanded that consumer lending division. And this was their chance to do it. This was their chance to put a marquee customer like Apple on the front and say, hey, listen, we're going to partner with one of the best, and we're going to give some of the superior credit card services that are offered out there and really grow our database. And in doing so, that Apple credit card went live in 2019, and it came on with great you know, promise and, and fortune, and, and it was really kind of uh, had a huge fanfare because it was giving you know, cash rewards. Later on, developed a really nice um, you know, uh, high-yield cashback savings account on the backside. And you know, the interesting thing about this is that Apple is such a big conglomerate that they were able to kind of strike some things on the credit card side, the consumer lending side, that you normally wouldn't get. So the partnership had these red flags to begin with, it already applied pressure to the partnership before it even started. And then add to it that slogan that I just said, it kind of got, uh, the, the feathers got ruffled. But if you take a look at it, Goldman wanted this deal so bad that they were willing to make concessions and do things that your normal credit card companies wouldn't do. Um, for example, they took on a number of unusual terms that Apple demanded. Let's start with the first one here. Goldman agreed not to share any of the customer's data and then also agreed not to charge a late fee. So when you think about that from a credit card consumer lending, you know, if you're wanting to build a platform, you want to start a division, these are the two most extensive ways to make income streams on a credit card consumer lending database. It's going to be late fees and it's going to be the ability to share or, or sell information from a consumer side. And so they automatically took those away, applying pressure to the relationship and to the profitability of the consumer credit division that they were trying to build. The other unusual term they did is that Apple demanded all of their customers have the same date of the credit card due date, meaning they wanted everything due on the first of the month. Now, that might not sound like a big deal, but these are called 
rolling billings, right? A rolling billing cycle. And the reason a consumer credit card division is going to do that is could you imagine all the bills are due on the first, how many phone calls you're going to get between the second, third, fourth, or the 30th and 31st of the month? It's going to be overwhelming. And ultimately, who's going to have the bad experience? It's going to be the consumer. And as Goldman warned against that and said, hey, listen, this is not a good idea. It's going to overwhelm our entire, you know, consumer, you know, uh, customer service division. This is going to be a bad thing, Apple put the put the gauntlet down and said it's all due on the first, no questions asked. And what happened is exactly what I'm stating here is that they had terrible fallout rates, meaning when people would call in, calls would get dropped, customers were getting angry. It led for a poor customer service experience, therefore adding more rift to this already, you know, kind of tightened relationship here. And so that that wasn't a good thing. Then the employees at Goldman Sachs started to complain because they said, hey, listen, we can't handle this. This is not a great work environment. And they started having issues as well. And it just, it wasn't a good place for the customer or the actual, you know, employee to work. Now add to that the rising rates that have taken place over the last 18 months, this too added more pressure to the relationship because as customers' bills went up, their minimum payments doubled, tripled in some cases, there was a lot of angry calls coming in here and people wanting to talk to customer service agents, they were having a hard time getting through because everybody's bill was due on the first. This were issues that started to kind of pop up that Apple refused to renegotiate. The other thing was that Apple nearly pushed, I mean, think about this. If you own an Apple product of any, uh, of any kind, you have you have a iCloud or you have um, an Apple account that you sign in with, you probably have noticed you're getting inundated with emails about the Apple credit card. I imagine you probably get this email twice a week, maybe even three times a week about, hey, you have no preset spending limit. You're already pre-approved for the following things. And this is Apple's way of pushing this credit card onto every single customer they have. And in doing such, and getting everyone approved, they actually pushed the default rate of Goldman Sachs much higher than normal because they were giving everyone a card. And so because of that, you started seeing some of the default rates that we've been talking about in credit cards now rising up. This has pushed it down. This has pushed those same default rates on Goldman Sachs at a much higher rate because typically when you call to apply for a credit card, a credit card company has a database that they'll send this information out to called a, a, a pre-screened, right? You've been pre-approved of some sort and they send it out to you. Well, with Apple's case, they're sending it out to all their customers, which is not so much a, a, a targeted approach as much as it is a shotgun approach. So people are getting these pre-screened offers. Maybe they're getting a credit card for 5,000. Maybe they're getting it for 3,000. Maybe they're getting it for more. But the default rate at Goldman Sachs went up significantly through over the last three years through Apple pushing this out to all their customers versus maybe a selected pre-screened option. Yo, thank you so much for choosing us today. We're definitely not done with our podcast, but we are going to take a really short sponsor break and then we'll get right back to the show. I've been in the lending business for 20 years. I've seen many different lenders. During those 20 years, I recognized there's a difference between being an originator and an advisor. The team at Bank of England is full of advisors. They take their time to understand your needs. They take the time to structure a mortgage for you and your family. And I cannot recommend them enough. If you're in the market to purchase a home, maybe it's a second home, maybe it's an investment property, or you're looking to refinance your current property that you live in, take a minute to work with the advisors at Bank of England Mortgage. They're a nationwide lender and you you can find your local branch at boemortgage.com because it's more than loans, it's people. Thanks so much for letting us give a shout out to our sponsor. All right, now back to the podcast. Some of Goldman's partners started to complain that this firm was just throwing money away 
making bad move after bad move in this agreement. And soon enough, that kind of wasn't the only issue. So in 2022, the Federal Reserve found that problems with the bank's consumers business, it had concerns that Goldman didn't have proper monitoring or control systems in place. That same year, Goldman disclosed to the CFPB, uh, that was, excuse me, disclosed the CFPB was investigating their credit card division and their practices and looking how the bank resolves disputes as well as refunding cardholders. And as these probes continued, it added more pressure to this consumer lending division to the point to where Goldman said, you know what, maybe, maybe we shouldn't be in this relationship. And so later on, Goldman disclosed that a big chunk of its consumer lending operations had lost billions of dollars with a B, billions of dollars. So a relationship that started in 2019, you know, led by the Apple consumer, I guess you could say, uh, mega deal that they put together is now losing billions of dollars. And a lot of a lot of rumblings over at Goldman Sachs started to say, why do we even have this division? And it's pretty interesting because by early 2023, in my notes here, Goldman executives began looking for ways to get out of this. They actually approached American Express, asked American Express because they sell this to them. That didn't work out. And they went to another company and asked, could they purchase this? That didn't work out. And so what they said was, okay, maybe maybe we'll try another way. With this cashback reward system that Apple has, what we'll do to help boost our deposit is we'll launch a savings account to where your cash rewards now go into this high yield earning savings account. And that'll help maybe you know bolster this a little bit here. That didn't work out. Then they launched the mother of all bad deals. And this is it right here. They launched a buy now, pay later deal with Apple. So if you go to Apple's website, there's, you know, you look at all the products, there's buy now, pay later all over that website. That is all brought to you by the financing of Goldman Sachs. Well, we talked about that on one of our last episodes about how that works and what's not great about that. It was just compounding the issues, making it worse. So you're taking some of the bad debt load and making it worse. Now, I'm not saying all of Apple's customers were like this. I'm just saying at Goldman Sachs, they had the higher default rate than the GM credit card that they had. So the Apple consumers were actually, the Apple customers on these credit cards actually were leading the default pack for them, thus adding pressure to this relationship, ultimately, ultimately to the end of it, because Goldman Sachs started saying, maybe we shouldn't be doing this because they doubled down to make a situation worse. You know, and, and one of the actual internal projections here said that the savings account project would lose money for at least 10 years after putting it into place. So after operating expenses were factored in and you put it into place, that's, that high-yield savings account is actually losing them money for 10 more years moving forward here. So it, you doubled down, you made it worse, the compounding the situation, nothing was getting better. Eventually, eventually Goldman started whispering that we need to get rid of this. Now, in pure Apple fashion, they call wind of it, and Apple said, you know what? Screw it. Over the next 12 to 15 months, we're done. We want, we want out of this. We'll find a new servicer, shut it all down. So Apple has actually pulled the plug on this project as opposed to Goldman sitting around, kicking the can, getting upset about it. Apple pulled the plug, said, listen, you're not going to make us the bad guy anymore. I'm tired of all the complaining. I'm tired of everything that's going on. We're done. Which leads to the next question. As an Apple card holder, if you're holding one of those cards, you're now going to be switched to another servicer. The transfer of the balance of the balance transfers are going to have to be done to another servicer, which is going to take a very skilled employee that Goldman is going to have to keep, retain, or go hire and put on staff to make those transfers work as Goldman starts to unwind their consumer lending division. So to me, this is a great example of a failed relationship. Was it failed out the gate? I don't know. Maybe. Did egos get in the way? It definitely looks like that. But I will say, let's say if interest rates had remained at the low rate in which they were at, would it have been necessary for Goldman Sachs to, A, keep such a coveted client like Apple to where they had to bend over backwards and do, uh, you know, first of the month billing, give away a high yield savings account, um, you know, have the customer service agents be available at, you know, all hours of from the 30th, 31st, 1st, 2nd, 3rd? Probably not. 
Probably not. But as interest rates rose, the ability to go garner another customer or the ability to issue more credit cards at the rate in which they were doing probably wasn't available compared to what it is now. So the other thing is this, as Apple wants out, you know, it's interesting to think that, um, who do they have lined up to take over next, right? But I'll tell you this, the card that's designed by Apple, not by a bank, will not work. Because this is a great example of when a technology company or a non-bank company, let's just say non-bank, non-industry regulated company, wants to get into the finance world and wants to get into something that they're not very well known for, and they apply what they think will work to a business that has further regulation, also has layers of consumer issues involved in it, that that's not going to be a good idea. And so I think that um, I think that someone else will step up and take this, but I also think this is just more things to come. I'm not so sure Apple's going to learn from this as much as they are going to maybe blame Goldman Sachs for this. And something to take a look at on here, on our YouTube channel at What's Your One More With Number One, we're going to put the Goldman Sachs credit card balances from 2019 all the way to 2023. Now, remember, these are just two credit cards that they kind of run the division for. One's for GM and one's for Apple. And look at the balance significantly go from what was in 2019 about $2 billion to close to $20 billion in 2023. That's how many new consumers. And if you start, that's just, that's really Apple coming into the mix there. And you see this huge ramp up. That's how powerful the customer, um, the, the customer database of Apple is. And that's how much overwhelming manner in which they, I mean, and what's interesting to me is we talk about 2020, right? And this is kind of where I want to bring this down to the example of what we talk about. In 2020, we talked about how credit card debt was much lower than it is today. We talked about how the personal savings rate was much higher in 2020 than it is today. There is a significant jump in this credit card debt over Goldman Sachs from the Apple uh, division as well as GM from 2021 to 2023. 2021 to 2022, giant leap. Well, we know what was happening then. The economy was turning, rates were going up, consumers were still continuing to spend at a rate in which maybe they didn't afford, and you see that massive jump. Same jump we see on the credit card trajectory here in the United States. And then there was another increase from 22 to 23. I like this because this really dials down one particular sector you can take a look at. I also think you can look at what Apple's business practice was. Going back to that commentary of when you pull your phone up, seriously, if, if you don't, if you, if, I'm sure you know this, but take a look at how many times you get an Apple offer on a credit card. You know, before the show, I went back and pulled up a history over the last 90 days and I have 10 of them. Have accepted, but I had 10 of them. I also asked other people that I know how often do they get this, and they said it seems like every other week they get one. I think this is an example of a company saying, hey, listen, we need more vertical integration. We need another income stream. They probably have an entire division. Their job is to promote this credit card and get it out. But maybe it wasn't at the manner in which a standard credit card company would produce those rates on there. And I think that's why you saw an explosion on this side of two things. Number one, credit limits going up or credit usage going up, and then also the defaults happening as well. So guys, if you like what you're hearing, please five-star review this podcast. If you would, check us out on Apple, Google, Spotify, and on Amazon as well. And then on our YouTube channel at What's Your One More. And that's our social media as well at What's Your One More. Until next time, guys, we'll see you on the next episode of What's Your One More. I got one more shot, I'm gonna make it. One more chance, I'm gonna take it. I meant it when I said it, now it's time for me to do it. I got one life to live, 